Welcome everyone to the Pathfinder Breakthrough to Organizational Excellence. Today, we're excited to have Christine Ramsey, Global Senior Inclusion and Engagement Leader at Jazz Pharmaceuticals as part of our Diversity Breakthrough Series. Christine, it's so nice to have you on the show. Welcome. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jay. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to have this conversation with you. Yeah, really excited to have you on the show. I've enjoyed our many discussions prior to this, and I know that everybody's going to have a lot to learn from you today. So, um, but before we kick off your kind of area of focus, I wanted you to tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into diversity. Yes, I would love to share. Um, Well, thank you again for allowing me to uh, share that with everybody. So um, diversity, equity, inclusion, it, it is my life purpose. Uh, I say that with such joy because um, it really is something that is part of me. It's not just a work thing. It, it is my life. And it is all around to create unity among all differences to make sure people are seen, they're heard, valued, and celebrated because that's how humanity thrives. And so it came to me, I had a, a, a bit of a jungle gym of a career. You know, I started in marketing. I was in international marketing, sales, um, more sales training. I did that for 11 years. I was in new product innovation. And all of a sudden, my why came and hit me in the face. And I say that because uh, my three-year-old at the time was diagnosed with autism. And it was this moment of time that said, hey, Christine, you have been preparing for the work within people for quite some time. And um, if it went flashback to my childhood, you know, I was um, a first generation here in the United States. My parents are Armenians from Iran, and they gave me a lot of exposure to different cultures and different people. And um, my father always shared with me a quote he, uh, from Gandhi, actually, who would say, our ability to reach unity and diversity will be the test and beauty of our civilization. And it was so powerful um, that in that moment um, of when my son was diagnosed, it it, I just, it went flashback to that. And I said, I need to be doing this work. Um, and so I actually shifted my entire career. Um, and thankfully I had a leader who saw my, my skills as transferable and brought me into the HR world. And now I've been in the HR field for about seven years. Um, and my love of being a DEI practitioner currently at Jazz and uh, also starting a new company focused on neurodiversity, which we'll, I'm sure, share with everybody here shortly. Yeah, yeah. So the neurodiversity, I mean, that that is something that, you know, when we were talking before, even with, you know, the experience that I've had in, in diversity, equity, and inclusion is something that wasn't necessarily top of mind. And you shared a, a statistic with me earlier today. It sounds like this isn't something that's top of mind for a lot of people. So what was that? 72% of organizations don't think about neurodiversity. Yeah, and, and and just to kind of go back to um, this coin, this coin term was uh, actually done by Judy Singer, and she came up with the term back in the late 1990s. And neurodiversity um, is uh, all about cognitive differences. Mm-hmm. So whether um, it's an individual that has autism, ADHD, right, attention deficit disorder, um, you've got dyslexia, uh, Tourette syndrome, uh, just to name a few, but the cognitive, and I call them superpowers because that's what they are, the cognitive right. superpowers. And um, it's also kind of bridging, bridging uh, this neurodiversity uh, and ensuring there's intersectionality of it, right? Like 
Um, that term, I believe, was coined by Kimberly uh, Crenshaw, the intersectionality. So someone could have multiple dimensions of social identity. And so we cannot forget about neurodiversity when we think about people's social identity. Someone, someone could have right, race, gender, um, gender um and sexual orientation and, you know, all these variant dimensions themselves, but one that most people tend to forget about is neurodiversity. And, you know, as I said, 72% of HR professionals today do not consider neurodiversity in their practices. So how can we be more more mindful um, and ensure that we're not forgetting about this important um, superpower that people have and that we're celebrating this difference? Uh, Because most oftentimes it is invisible and um, we want to ensure we give people the space, the psychological um, safety to share this um, difference, what incredible impact they make with their creativity, their innovation, and again, their superpower. It's like this outlier thinking that I'm going, wow, I would have never thought of this. And um, you were able to do it. So, um, but of course, lots of support and, um, you know, lots of allyship needs to be present for neurodiverse individuals to thrive um, within their environments. Yeah. Here to do. <laughs> I love that. You know, it's interesting. So my daughter has dyslexia. We we didn't know at first, and she was in school, and she was kind of labeled this slow reader. And then they wanted to put her like behind a grade. Then they wanted to put her in like you know this special education classes and all this other stuff. And I and I saw that just take this confident child. You know, I mean, she was like second grade, I think, at the time, and just start to break her down. I mean, as a parent, it was really tough to see that. And one of the first things that we did was we researched like all the successful people who have dyslexia. And I love that you term it superpower because that's what what finally started to build her back up. And we did, we got the right support system. We got the right school. We got the right counselors. And we really had to try to cobble together this, this community to try to help support not holding her back, but helping her thrive and understand how to get through her dyslexia. And turned it into that superpower. So it, it is really something that I think needs to be top of mind for, for people. Most of, uh, and what a blessing it is that she has you as a parent, Jay, because as, you know, parents, right? It, it is kind of scary when your child has something that's a little bit different than what you, you're used to, but it's always going back to the strengths of, of your children, you know, and embracing um, embracing that. And, and it starts right in our communities at a young age within their school environments, and then all the way up to as an adult when you get into organizations. So uh, that doesn't stop. Uh, so you need the allies from parenting to teachers, to educators, to the community, to leaders and organizations so that they can ultimately um, self-transcend is the word that I always use. That's what us humans, we're all here to do mm-hmm. is to transcend um, and be able to reach our full potential so that we're able to give back to society in a really positive way. And so how can we guide um, these amazing individuals with this cognitive superpower to self-transcend and be able to contribute uh, what they're here to do um, in, in the best way? And so that's that's kind of my mission in life um, is to embrace this. I'll, I'll share with you a quick story, if you don't mind, about that's my great. Just the other day, um, we're actually sitting around a table um, around the kitchen table is myself, my my spouse. Uh, we have also have an eight year old daughter who is an incredible ally to my son. I mean, she is um, really teaches about 
teaches all about autism to her friends. And, you know, she's really, um, truly a change agent when it comes to uh, inclusion um, for, for him. And she also had a friend who came to, to dinner. And we're sitting around and we do this fun game where we ask different questions to each other at the dinner table, like, you know, each person. And it's great socially from, for, for our son because it helps him with his social mm-hmm. communication skills, which, you know, he has a little bit of trouble with. Um, so it was my daughter's turn. And she asks, you know, out of the top five holidays, which ones are your favorite? Rank them in order. So she lists out. You know, we we celebrate Christmas in our family. So she listed out Christmas, Thanksgiving here because we celebrate in the U.S., right? Um, Easter, again, you know, we're, we are, um, you know, Armenian Christians. So we mm-hmm. celebrate Easter as well. So she's listing out her top five, five favorites. So we go around as a family and we basically name these five holidays as she named. Then it's my son's turn and he doesn't name any of that. He goes, my favorite is the Chinese New Year. And, and we said, oh, this is so interesting. Why, Zach? And he's like, I love the dragons and the colors and the fireworks. And he lists on and on. He goes, the second one, he goes, I love to celebrate the Day of the Dead, which is through the Mexican culture. Yeah. And oh, this is so interesting. I've never, I mean, we're not Mexican. So I wonder where he's learned that. He's like, Mom, I, would, I love that because we celebrate, you know, um, our the, the um, elderly has passed and I miss so my grandmother, who passed last year, unfortunately, mm-hmm. who was his biggest advocate, he names her. He says, I would love to have a conversation with her. And that's why I would like to celebrate the Day of the Dead. And he starts naming off just uh, incredible. He did um, Festival of Lights, which is Diwali. He um, named St. Patrick's Day. And can you believe it? In that moment, I said, wow, here we are sitting in our, sitting on our kitchen table. The four of us have listed the same ideas. And there this is a... And neurodivergent mind of outlier thinking that he came up with a whole new set of, uh, of holidays that we didn't even think of. And it made me see, wow, if he wasn't included in this conversation, we would have missed out on the joy and this add on celebrations that we embraced and learned about. Right. And so I know this is a very personal kind of family example, but then it kind of triggered me into organizations, what are we missing out on this other voice that is not, doesn't have a seat at the table mm-hmm. or maybe it does, but it's not necessarily rather heard or, or seen. Right. And, you know, how can we create that space? Because right. We all as organizations want to innovate. We all want right. to some really cool, unique ideas that no one has. And guess what? We just got five unique ideas that we weren't in, even thinking about. Right. Right. <laughs> um, in that in that setting so um and even you know my my daughter's friend was like i've never heard of some of these holidays you know and so she was learning at the same time and so i share that just because um the importance of truly embracing this community um and and my son shows us every day that you know we really do need to pay attention and and create that seat at the table for um neurodiverse individuals yeah, I love that story. And I appreciate you sharing that. Um, you know, you, you think about there's kind of two things there. There's the societal, you know, how do we um, have that inclusion in society to have those conversations to learn more, right? So that your daughter's friend now learned something there, probably took it back to her family, had this conversation, and then it's just, you know, it, it explodes from there. And like you said, the same thing can happen in in business. If if you know the seventy-two percent of the HR professionals, I think you said right. I, so I, I want to correct myself. So I said organizations, but it's the HR professionals. Don't think about it. So how do we shift 
the mindset so that when we're talking about inclusion, that we're making sure that stories like that, like you, you have a commercial background, right? It's like product development. Like you think like you're sitting there doing product development and we always have group think. We always have like the situation where we, you know, we have our blinders on. We've been in the same organization for a while and all this other stuff. Like, how do we bring people like your son into these conversations where they can bring that level of innovation and they can speak up and they can be heard? Like, how do we do that? Definitely. Yeah. And that, and that is the, um, you know, that is the magic kind of question, right? Like, how do we ensure that these voices are there? And it, and it starts with, um, you know, at a young age, right, creating these spaces for um, our people who are neurodiverse to have the support um, and, and the resources and the access um, to, um, you know, some, some of these important interventions that happen. Uh, but then from an organizational standpoint, you know, how do we, um, you know, there's a lot of recruitment efforts. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. just, there, there's tons of information out there from, you know, how we interview differently. Um, how do we source differently uh, for, for this community? And then um, when we bring them in, right, because recruiting is not the end of, of it all, like we have to ensure that we create a space and uh, ensure people thrive, but, you know, ensuring that leaders are educated among this difference and how do we create that psychological safety for their ideas to really feel like they feel safe enough to hear and, and share and um, have this vulnerability of, sharing authentically who you are, right? Like I, I would hope that my, when my son gets to an employment age that he's going to be embrace his difference and be able to share some of the challenges that he has, but also a way for him to say, Hey, this is what I need in this organization to be successful um, and, and to be successful in this role and have this vulnerable dialogue. Um, but he won't be able to get there unless he's recruited. Right. And so right. it's the process um, that, and it's a journey. And um, but if it, I say if if it um, if we can all kind of focus and uh, always start with a listening and learning lens, if we're able to um, start with awareness first, you know, learn a little bit about what neurodiversity is, engage with people. Um, I mean, one out of every, I think it's um, I have I wrote the statistic here. Um, 2.21% of U.S. adults are autistic. 10% of the population in the U.S. has a learning disability. 10%. I mean, that's that astronomical. And then there was another one that says fewer than one in out of six autistic adults are employed full time. That means five are unemployed. I mean, 85% right are unemployed today. Why? Mm-hmm. It questions me. I mean, yeah. my son is brilliant. Again, this is they have some brilliant thinking, but then I question how, why? Why don't we have that that seat at the table or that mm-hmm. um, positions for them? And so I think it's understanding their strengths um, and bringing forth their strengths to organizations. Um, you know, awareness, being able to really fully support uh, them in this process. And uh, if we can start there, I feel like we're on the road to. Um, a much better and more innovation happening within organizations. So I know big organizations like SAP and Microsoft and um, some uh, Ernest and Young, they have started and actually okay. implemented some really key neuro- neurodiversity programs, which has been um, really encouraging. And to see some of their t- statistics, um, there was a case study that was done where they had a, a group of neurodiverse individuals come in on a, on a project and they came up with a solution within a month, whereas it took a typical 
uh, team a year to mm-hmm. figure that out. So within a month, you know, so it, and so it just showed as an example of the importance of bringing other types of thinking and other ways of um, looking at the world through a different lens um, and being able to see some really exciting innovations come through. Yeah, I, I love that. And hopefully that, you know, along with the work that you're doing and, and you know, spreading that awareness and, and, and support you know, this becomes like a kind of a template, you know, for people to learn from as they look to these big organizations that are pioneering and showing these case studies, you know, because I think, you know, when you, when you look at companies, some of them are a little uh, risk adverse and things like that, but if they start to see the case studies, the numbers and how to do this, then maybe they're faster to adopt. um, You know, know, companies, just do a pilot, you know, it's like, let's do a, a pilot. And, and that's what even these major organizations have done. Start small, you know, but do something. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what we're, that's what my mission is to continue doing. There's a, there are a team of amazing people that I know that have been doing neurodiversity um, for quite some time. And um, I, I am passionate alongside with them uh, to continue this work because you know, if we can just continue to uh, provide employment opportunities to ensure that there's um, equity even within education um, to help to help um, you know our youth uh, have you know uh, employment opportunities, yeah. we're all better in the long run to to have that. So I'll share with you this one book. Actually, um, I, I just I, I just came across this one author, which um, she so she is a nonverbal autistic um, uh, woman who is 16 years old. Her name is Candy Waters and she is an artist and she has this book called Unspoken Gift, which I know uh, this is a podcast. You're not going to be able to see it, but if you go into um, the internet, you'll see it. And she draws the most beautiful paintings. I mean, look at this one here, the sun that she did. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Uh, amazing. Her yeah. art is just beautiful. And she actually enables you to feel what she feels through her art. Mm -hmm. And she now does art for, I mean, celebrities and like, I mean, big organizations. I mean, she's able to use her talent. um, And, you know, she's, she's not able to speak, but she's able to speak through her art. And what an amazing uh, way her, her parents and her advocates and her allies were able to um, see that strength in her mm-hmm. and be able to advocate for her to continue doing her art. And so when I, when I came across this book, I said, wow, what an inspiration, right? It's like, she was able to talk about self-transcendence. She's on the, she's there. She's self-transcending. Yeah. That's a great um, example. Yeah. She's able to um, give back to society in such a meaningful way. And people are inspired and, and um, look up to her already. And she's only 16, you know? So um, that is my hope that we continue to, um, just see more neurodiverse individuals uh, be able to self-transcend. That's what my new company I started, igniteinclusion.com. Um, it is all around how do we enable and empower neurodiverse individuals to self-transcend, really reach their full potential in partnership with allies. So coaching them as well um, and their allies and having this journey together to continue to inspire, innovate, and um, impact the world in a, in a really meaningful way that they're meant to do. So I love that. And I think creating that infrastructure and that education is, is so critical to it. You know, as, as you know, being a corporate leader in the past and, and having led many teams, 
you know, if I felt equipped for a certain situation or then, then I felt confident in being able to, in being able to lead those individuals. And so, you know, to me, it seems like being able to do that type of leadership education is going to be key. Not only to, to your point, like you can do all the recruiting on the front end and it's just kind of like, you know, I guess other groups, right. You can do all the recruiting on the front end and you can say, we're going to have, you know, this many women and we're going to, we're really going to go after, you know, these diverse populations. But if you don't have the education, the inclusion, the training and everything else that, that goes along with it, then, then that can be a real, real issue. Um, it's definitely, I mean, it's just small little changes, right, Jay? Like uh, for someone, I actually met an adult um, who, who was autistic and I mean, gifted, I mean, mm-hmm. brilliant mind again, and he had a position in government. And he was sharing, he was saying, you know, that um, obviously with his, his um, difference was invisible. So a lot of people didn't realize that he was autistic mm-hmm. uh, until he said he, he kept fidgeting in his pocket, you know, because he carries with him um, like a, um, like a, one of those fidgets um, toys that are, you know, yeah. um, for sensory purposes. Mm-hmm. And people were questioning, you know, like, why is he fidgeting with his pockets? And then he was vulnerable and had the courage enough to, tell his leaders that this is what I need. I need to have these types of, um, you know, sensory uh, um, toys almost uh, in the meetings because it helps me focus. And his manager was like, oh, tell me more about that and started to have a conversation and started to ask and be curious. And, you know, so, but that sometimes we have to build that safety. We have to build that space for that individual, right? When they get there is, be mindful of those things. So when I'm in, when I'm conducting a training, guess what I have on my tables? I've got you know these sensory um, sections. I've got areas where the room is dim. Um, I don't put on very loud music. Um, so there's certain things that we have to be mindful of, and that takes again through awareness and education, and for us to remember that this community, um, you know, uh, needs some a little bit of that those tailorings um, yeah. or. Uh, engagements that are specific um, to help them thrive in that particular environment. And, th- and those aren't hard adjustments to make. You know, I think about, so I was a sales leader, right? And so, you know, it tend to be a, you know, a, a louder kind of, you know, pump you up at, you know, some of the meetings and, you know, thinking about like our sales meetings, we'd have a lot of loud music. There was a lot of, you know, stage and, you know, stuff going on. And if you think about it, you know, with just that level of awareness, like looking back, I would have said, well, you know what? Maybe let's turn that down, or let's have this in a different way, or, or like you said, yeah, have a darker a area. Room, you, know? you can have a sensory room, right? right you can have right. an area where you know, if you don't maybe like this loud music, there is a place that you can go to decompress, mm-hmm. to you know, um, take a moment, right? Like it's like a quiet room, and it's interesting, you know, as, as my son was growing, and now he's seven, but um, I can't tell you, I couldn't go a lot of places with him, I couldn't go with him to the zoo, I couldn't, you know, I can go to the movie theater, I mean, things that you normally would do with the child, you know, made it really tough, until there was some really great sensory friendly places, we found a zoo that had a quiet space, you know, where um, I was like, wow, this is the first zoo, and gosh, how many that I've visited that has has really spent time to understand this community as sees, right? Like mm-hmm. it was the validation, like, wow, you you realize that we exist. Right. right. My son exists and us parents exist. And it doesn't change when you get, you know, into organizations that you get older. It's this community of saying, wow, they really have thought about me here. I feel mm-hmm. like I belong. Right. Because that's ultimately what we try to do in all organizations is enable all differences. Um 
that we belong and belonging and connection. That's part of human behavior. We all want it. Absolutely. (laughs) um, You know, so I'm so grateful, Jay, that you're able to um, kind of have this conversation with me and open up the dialogue um, of, of neurodiversity. And again, the importance of how the intersectionality is. I mean, Mm -hmm. we've got, um, you know, different experiences, even within that, right. Of the various social identities and how, different access to different individuals. And so there's a lot of work to be done, <laughs> but, um, you know, one, one day at a time. And I think if we can all just start with, um, understanding the difference and being able to step into allyship and learning to explore more and realizing areas of opportunity where we don't know, we don't know and saying, okay, what can we do to learn? What can we do to listen and, and craft, um, that space. And I think we're, on the road to uh, a true, true belonging for that, for this community. I do hope that people listen to this. They're curious about it and they want to reach out. So Christine, you mentioned, you mentioned your company. Can you share ways that people can get in touch with you if they want to learn more about this and how to bring this into their organizations and maybe, you know, other consultants like myself would want to team up with you to, to bring them to their clients. I mean, this, this is a, a journey, but hopefully we, it's something that we can accelerate because it is so incredibly important. Oh, most definitely, Jay. Thank you. I'm so grateful for that. Um, yes, it's it's called igniteinclusion.com. If you go on my website, you can find all the information there. You can also reach out to me uh, through my email, igniteinclusion at gmail.com. Um, so I would love, you know, whether it's partnering with an organization, um, I do a lot of speaking and consulting, um, as well as um, if you are a neurodiverse person, I do a lot of one-on-one coaching and um, group coaching. So if there is maybe a team Team of you within the organization that says, you know, I really would like to um, team up. Um, so I, I do a lot of partnership with also neurodiverse individuals with their allies. So I uh, would love to help out and serve in any way. Um, and thank you for the opportunity to share a little bit uh, about me and what I do and ways to partner. So I think it's really exciting. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. You have such a wonderful mission. You have such a wonderful spirit and everything that you're, you know, just bring into society, bring into organizations. You know, I, I know I'm, I'm blessed to know you, Christine, and certainly consider me an ally. Thank you, Jay. Yes. Uh, and I can't wait. Uh, I think we're just beginning, but uh, we are, I think both of us are such an, uh, we're servant leaders, right? Like we're on a mission and I'm so grateful to know you too. Um, as you continue your amazing podcast of sharing awareness with all different dimensions of diversity. So I want to thank you too, for having me on and being open to this dialogue. Absolutely. Christine, thank you so much. Mm -hmm.